Welcome to the podcast for the North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. Now let us turn to this week's scripture and sermon, and let us begin with a prayer. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything worthy of praise, let us meditate upon these things. Amen. We're always learning from our young people, aren't we? Amen. We've also learned a lot from our interns this year, and next uh, week is our last uh, week with our interns, Sam and Alexandra. And I just wanted to offer one thing. They, they helped us think about ways to make this church more inclusive. And one thing they said was, offer a few copies of the sermon written for those who might have trouble hearing um, or might just need to process things visually. So I do have a couple. They're kind of, they're just drafts of sermons. So I have like six or so of those copies if anyone wants one, everyone else has perfect hearing here. We have some back here. Um, I'll get my assistant to pass them out. Um, and while we do that, back here, great. Um, I just wanted to see what, what you thought of the sermon. What details really stuck out for you? Okay. And um, for who, whoever wants to participate, we have Swedish fish. <laughs> or you just, you want a sermon. There were, there were like no strange details in that, in that, no? Not. Mary Louise. Wait, Mary, no, no, we're going to let Mary Louise go and then you can go. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe Mary Nona will share her reward with you. Mary Nona, what did you notice? Peter was naked, not in the live show. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So this bothered me too. And I looked it up, and it actually says that in the Greek, it doesn't say he's naked. He is wearing this long undershirt, which people fished in. And it was so long that if he jumped into the water... He would get tangled in the hem and drown. So he really puts on a belt so that he will not get caught and drown. Um, and they say that this may be because he's so excited that he um, jumps in to see Jesus and doesn't wait to pull the boat with, like everyone else. You know? Because we, we need people in this church that are excited, right? And then we need everyone else who has a good strategy. <laughs> but I actually think it's, no, no, one, no scholar has said this, but if I were to write the Mother's Bible Commentary, I'm pretty sure that John included this detail to say that it is never ba- a bad idea to dress nice, wear a belt, and get to church on time. <laughs> Anything else? We're going to get to Suzanne. Suzanne. 
It seemed to you that we're eating raw fish. Well, it was pretty, it was pretty um, yes, it's pretty fresh. Well, actually, and actually it does, if you look at that, uh, Jesus has already prepared a fish, and it's, it's actually a relish. The Greek says relish, so it's like a fish spread. It's kind of like smoked trout spread or something. So we don't really know. They actually did not eat the fish that they just caught. Jesus had already prepared everything, because Jesus is trying to tell them, don't be so afraid of scarcity, right? Like, I got you back. Uh, Trey, where did Jesus get the fish? Well, that's between you and Jesus. <laughs> and the charcoal fire and the bread. I guess those things resurrect too. Anything else? Ellen. What was the deal with the left side of the boat and the right side of the boat? What was the deal with the left side? I know. And as a left-hander, I always feel discriminated against because everything good and holy happens on the right hand. I, I think he just needed to change an approach or something. It's the translator that said he was naked when he wouldn't, because he didn't. The translator, did, translator didn't expect us to know that we were that he was wearing this tunic. Yes, for our simple minds. I mean, it already has a lot of cumbersome details in it, right? Like 100 and wait, did no one else say 153 fish, right? What was that about? Okay, so St. Jerome, who is an ancient commentator, said that 153 fish were the amount of fish that the ancients believed were in the sea, like all the species. So it's all the fish in the sea. And so if they had changed their approach and cast the net, they could cast the net wide enough to include all the peoples of the world and that the church, the net of the church could include, right? Now, I don't know if this is a correlation or not, but um, just last week, our session met on Saturday for our planning meeting and our checking in on the strategic plan. And we looked at data between um, of this neighborhood and the statistics of our church. And what we learned is that this neighborhood, just in a one mile radius, was growing at a faster rate than our church. And now that the Baptist Church is gone, it, this just includes us and North Decatur United Methodists. And it is particularly growing in what the data said was single young adults and um, empty nesters and something they call silver sophisticates, <laughs> which sounds really lovely, kind of like salmon, right? So I don't know if there's a correlation for us there, but um, it is interesting as we think about our, our fishing habits and 153 fish. Incidentally, um, there were 360 fish that we have here, um, but Tim said that why start, um, I tried to count them out and only give you 153, but he said why start um, being a literalist about the Bible now. <laughs> so. Um, the fish are here. If you want some, they'll be here. You can create a relish during communion. Um, now, really, all the juicy details in this passage really have nothing to do with the main point, which is why I wanted to have a little bit of a Q&A. Um, Jesus keeps showing up. It was the main point for me. This dead man won't rest. He keeps coming back when Mary is weeping inconsolably, 
and when his disciples had locked themselves in a room full of fear, and when Thomas had been left out and was full of doubt because he wasn't there with the group at first. And so Jesus shows up in sadness and in fear and in doubt. So why should we be surprised that Jesus shows up again? When the disciples are, what, hungry and forgetful and maybe just ignorant. You know, none of you actually said this. Isn't it weird that you have professional fishermen who don't know how to fish? Kent, isn't that weird? Okay, Kent's my fisherman. They've been out on the boat all night with their net hanging off the left side, and all the while the schools of fish have been swimming along the current on the right side. So it's a good thing that this man that they don't recognize comes with along and gives them some familiar advice, right? Have you tried changing your approach? Has anyone ever gotten that advice? Or maybe heard it, like just the Spirit told you that at some point? This wasn't the first time that Jesus had helped them while struggling out at sea. And it's a good thing that Jesus did. 153, all the fish in the sea. But I wonder if Jesus felt disappointed, even forgotten, when he saw them out there at sea. After all, he had told them to put fishing behind them and to follow him, to be disciples that spread love, and to be neighbors living in beloved community. And now he's been dead, what, like only a week? And they hightail it out of Jerusalem, the city teeming with different people in need of the good news. And they head for the first body of water they can find to resume their old ways of surviving. So maybe he felt a pang of sorrow, watching his friends. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe he felt joy because at least they were together. I mean, seven of the twelve had kept the band alive. They were supporting each other, right? If one went, they all went. Seven in a small boat. I kind of questioned that judgment myself, but they were this close-knit group. And isn't that what Jesus wanted for them? Or did he want more? Did he really want them huddled together with a scarcity mentality, worried that at some point they might yet outgrow their boat, that they might get too big for their britches? Or did he not want them to spread the love around? I suppose it doesn't really matter what Jesus felt when he saw them out there fumbling to catch fish, or it doesn't really matter whether Peter was wearing pants or not. What matters is not how Jesus felt or how clothed Peter was. What matters is that Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast with me. And he had this charcoal fire and fish and bread all ready for their hungry, tired bodies. Such kindness, such hospitality, such desire to be with them and strengthen them for their journey. That's when they knew. The scripture says, Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus keeps showing up. And by this point, they don't seem surprised. 
And I'm not surprised either now. Perhaps it's because I've been thinking a lot recently in these days since Easter, how the dead linger, maybe visit in other forms. The law of conservation of mass and energy says that no matter, no matter or and no energy can be destroyed in this universe, just converted. And I believe that love is like this. In my experience, people who love well continue to love well past their mortal end. One of you shared last Sunday that every time you walk by the house of a deceased neighbor, that you can still hear her loud, welcoming voice singing, Hola, Laura. The greeting she always gave you, no matter how busy she was, and no matter what was going on on that busy street. See, Jesus loved well, with a fierce inclusivity and a wise truthfulness and a graceful generosity. I suppose that's why Christ keeps showing up when two or three, or in this case, seven are gathered, and hopefully at some point, 153. Because togetherness and wisdom and generosity are antidotes to sadness and ignorance and fear. Earlier in John's Gospel, when Jesus knew he would be betrayed by them and would die, he said, love one another as I have loved you. And it seems that that was exactly what they were trying to do when they followed Peter out to sea and then back to the beach. And yet, was that really the vision of love? One that was broad enough, a circle that was wide enough, that Jesus wanted to leave them with? Now, all of you are about to take the step of confirmation. And what I appreciate about the step and the statements of faith that you've made is that you've identified not certainty, but reassurance in your life. Well, most of the time, you've really got a handle on things and getting better and more mature by the minute. You also recognize the times when you've needed guidance and that Jesus or God and even this church has proved to be pretty good mentors. Not to mention the encouragement that I've seen you give each other when need be. So I suppose that's why this Jesus sighting is appropriate for today. They were living a normal life as fishermen when the living Jesus came to the disciples and called them and taught them and fed them and showed them how to teach and feed and heal others. And then Jesus died. And what did they do? They went back to fishing, or at least they tried to. But it seems that death didn't keep Christ from loving and guiding them. Now, most of you stated that your faith acknowledged a need for love and guidance, and that you have experienced this in the teachings of Jesus and in this community. And I want to say, as you go from this place today, I can't promise just what form this guidance will take. I can't promise that Jesus will appear to you later today and invite you to breakfast, although I wouldn't rule it out. 
But I can promise that all of us in this room are in the boat with you, waiting together for 153 fish or the sign of a fire on dry land. And we will wait together until we catch enough for all to be fed or can work hard enough for all to find safe harbor. We do this because before he died, Jesus loved well. And he told us to love one another. And so may it be that from this point on, that you know what it is to be loved and to love so openly and so fiercely and so generously that your love outlasts you. In the name of God the lover, Christ the beloved, and the Holy Spirit love itself. Amen.